Okay, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Everybody Loves Bliss. I am Bliss, and joining me, I always point the wrong direction on the video, is my wonderful co-host, Ross Cooper. Ross Cooper, how you doing? What's good? I'm good, I'm good. Are you good? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... Went to the movies again and saw Judas and the Black Messiah again last night. It was still just as powerful and moving. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm fired up and wired up and ready to go. Like you yeah, can't that watch that. Or was that about the company? We we gonna do that? Really? We're doing that? Okay. All I said is that all I said is I went to the movies. We didn't. We we gonna do that? I, no, it was. Say, see another movie? Uh, excuse me, a movie you've already seen. I mean, I can't ask. The, the people want to know. <laughs> yes, I went on a movie date because she hadn't seen no it yet. Movie. So I was like, you know, let's go check it out. So it was, okay. it was a great movie. Okay, so you went on a movie date. Okay, are we going to share that whole thing at, when I'm, in our later episodes when we start talking about love and relationships? Lord. Bob has the date, Ross. And listen, I'm living vicariously through you. So... You Let got me. 18 months yourself. Let's keep that in mind. Oh, Lord. Uh, oh. You got 18 months. You know 18 what? months, people. Never mind. Never, because we get ready to open up a can of worms. <laughs> Listen, this show is already, we're, we get ready to open up a, a can of worms anyway. All right. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Um, listen, last show, we um, the last show was actually titled Black versus Everything. And uh, I talked about on the last show, let me I'm taking because <laughs> you know I don't I don't I'm trying to tread lightly um on this particular gotcha. subject but the last show was called black versus everything and I talked about on that show um how this this new uh um trend or this highlighting of uh anti-asian crimes how it demonstrated the difference that I had talked about before we had, we, whatever side you're on, had talked about before the difference in, 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 the, in how the bar uh, gets leveraged in terms of what constitutes a hate crime. So we were talking about um, not seeing a lot of media about Asian hate crimes, kind of hearing the hype, but not really, you were talking about, you know, what you saw in your area. And I was talking about what I saw in, in mine, even though we had seen the stories about San Francisco and New York um, and not discounting, look at you pulling out your big old drink to drink on this one too, even though we're drinking two different things, but we hadn't, talked, we hadn't seen, we, we had seen things like shunning and, um, asking what do you speak English as considered a hate crime for the Asian community and I said and Lord I Lord I, I did say we hadn't seen like mass shootings yeah. which I was not suggesting again I did not I was not suggesting we put that into the atmosphere but I was doing a comparison of what happens with Muslims and Blacks and other groups and here we are with uh, this shooting that happened in Atlanta uh, on Tuesday, on Tuesday, just a couple of days ago, where uh, a guy goes into 21 year old Robert Aaron Long. I always say their names. People say, don't say their names. I want you no, to no, no, no. Say, say their name, say their name, put that out there. 
Yeah, Robert Aaron Long, a 21-year-old Georgia resident, goes into three massage parlors and shoots up the places, and eight people wind up dead. Now, I I know there were a considerable amount of women that were killed who were Asian. To be quite honest, I don't know exact numbers because wherever you read, you get a different number. Yeah. I saw six of them were, four of them were, I don't know. Um, And I want to extend prayers and condolences to those families. I want to say that. Um, So they're calling this a hate crime because, and of course, it has just added fuel to this whole uh, Stop Asian Hate and this whole uh, movement to stop Asian hate. And of course, it's gained more media. Um, in the few days since the incident has happened, there have been, oh, there's so many layers to this, but there was the police police chief in Georgia, Atlanta, what's the Atlanta police chief who made, um, he, the problem with this is that we know that when a white male is supporting a white male, he's doing it under white privilege. So he makes a statement basically that this guy was having a bad day and flipped out and on his bad day went on a shooting spree that's really that's freaking ridiculous it is it is you know what i thought about when i heard this and i'm gonna let you get into this first of all when i first heard about the let me let me be very honest when i first heard about the shootings in atlanta i was afraid because i think atlanta i think i think black folks so i was like lord one of us done lost our mind we done gone on a shooting spree when I heard it was salon, I heard salon first. I'm thinking nail salon, black, a lot of women, women get their nails done, but I know black women frequent nail salons and most, and most of the ones that I know of are Asian owned. So I was like, oh Lord, here we go. One of us has gotten on this crazy kick of, you know, joined into on this violence and is going on, what is going on? Was there a fight? Because what else we talked about was the fact that there has been a tense relationship between Asians and blacks. Um, for a while, we we touched on that. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh Lord, did you know? Did somebody Shimano. get in a fight over? They didn't like the nails done because we've seen that. Ha- we've seen those stories. Whether other people are aware of them, that's been going on for a while. The relationship, even though blacks support a lot of Asian businesses, beauty salons, um, hair supply stores, because a lot of black women, you know, we wear hair, um, and we support salons getting their nails done the whole thing. And we, a lot of us wind up going to these Asian owned salons. So I was thinking this was a black Asian thing. I really did think that we, that we were involved in this, but then I heard massage parlor salon. And I was like, oh, we're talking about something really different here. So I waited to hear more of the story. And of course, that's when we find out it's a white shooter uh, the salons are Asian owned, and I have to be very honest. Um, those, those, that's a very different thing when you're talking about a massage parlor and what that means. I'm going to let you get into that, but um, what the police chief gave us was that young white guy has a bad day. Um, flipped out. Sounds, sounds about white. Yeah, so he basically was making excuses for him. But he also said he did not believe this was racially motivated. And a lot of people are not accepting that. 
And I'm saying, and here's where, Lord, let me take another drink. I'm saying that there has to be a different consideration in this particular case based on some of the evidence that we looked at. So um, we're going to get into it. Um, but go ahead and, and bring your, go ahead and say what you, because, you know, somebody's already mad at me for just saying what I just said. So, yeah, and but it, it, um, this is a very tense time. And the thing I personally am trying to remind my, well, not remind myself, but remind folks, because uh, I'm always aware of it. We as, as non-white people have a common enemy. And that common enemy has reared its ugly head yet again. Um, America has its issue with its homegrown terrorists and these white guys with guns. It's Timothy McVeigh. It's, 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 now, I'm not saying it's in the same vein as Timothy McVeigh in Oklahoma City. But yet again, you have one white guy deciding, I'm going to end some lives today and doing so. And the bottom line is statistics show most mass shooters, if not, I think down there, every mass shooter has been white male. Um, from the Asian side of it, it's a tough one because one, it's a tragedy, flat out. It is a flat out, flat out tragedy. When we say this is a hate crime, now we got to raise an eyebrow because it's then we get to very interesting nuance. Like right. he's claiming sexual addiction from these massage parlors. These massage parlors, at least in these two instances, are, are almost primarily Asian. The marketing that you sent me of these massage parlors is very, very racy. I don't know why you need scantily clad women to advertise your massage parlor. Let me explain one thing very, very quickly before anyone tries to leap that fence. Okay. Under no circumstances am I saying anyone, any of these women, <clears throat> deserve to die and right. one of the things i'm also having a problem with is the convert one thing that i have not heard yet and you can tell me if you have one of the other things that can be associated with some of these massage parlors is the sex trafficking aspect right. and i'm not hearing that conversation much okay i i and that's exactly what we're getting where, where we're going with this because we i did not want to um, take this just at face value. So what you got into was the the shooter, uh, Robert Aaron Long is his name, um, claims that the reason why he did that is that he is frustrated because he's a sex addict and that the issue with the parlor is where he would go to live out some of his sexual fantasies. Um, in these places, he was able to do that. Part of the addiction is going to these particular parlors and I guess getting happy endings or getting maybe even having sex. I don't know for sure. I'm just assuming that's what was going on. And you said something and you put it mildly that the advertisement for these particular parlors was racy. It was straight up sexual. Um, very bare minimalist, but very sexual. We actually went to the sites to look at these particular massage parlors. There was, um, there were two um, that I pulled up, Aromatherapy Spa in Atlanta and Gold Spa. And they're both 24-hour spas. They're both strip mall spas with like very neon lighting. Um, 
And one of the spas actually advertised we specialize in Asian and Latin girls. So, I, I mean, here's the, th and again, I, I'm with you. I am not, I am not in any way shame, victim shaming or trying to insinuate that these women deserved any of this. But in this particular case, I think what we're seeing in the media is that people are shutting down completely his sex addiction part. And what I did find out is that he had just been put out of his home the day before, the night before his parents' home for his practice of his sexual addiction. I, and what I read was he was on looking at porn and I guess, I, I don't know, he was addicted some kind of way. He had been in rehab for sex addiction he had spent a year in rehab for sex addiction. A 21-year-old had already spent a year in no, rehab for sex much. addiction. And from what I read, he had been in rehab more than one time for sex addiction. Um, and there's the religious element, highly religious. So, you know, sexual addiction, confusion, frustration, and religious angst is a lethal that's combination. A, it's that's, yeah, that's, that's a powder keg. Right. It's a powder keg. So what I'm saying in this particular case is that the element of sexual addiction cannot be erased from this. You can't, you cannot in this particular situation discount it. And what I'm seeing um, in the media in order to push the narrative of it being a hate crime, they're dismissing this other nuanced piece of the sexual addiction. And I think that here, unfortunately, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. I, d I really don't. I mean, you're and, I, and I want us to examine that because I think that what happens is that media pushes a narrative. The media's job is to push a narrative. And right now the narrative to push is anti-Asian, anti-Asian, stop Asian hate stuff. And I get it. I, I don't want us to discount that. That's an, if, if Asians are, feeling threatened and being threatened and being abused, and that has to stop. I do think though, it's very dangerous to discount this very important element of what this is because the narrative of anti-Asian hate is bigger and it gets more clicks. And that's where people are focused. You cannot in this instance, especially if you've gone to look at, not only did I go look at the salon pages. Now there was a third spa, Young's, uh, Young's Asian Massage, which doesn't even have a website, but the review, did you, I sent you the reviews on the spot. I mean, they were men who had reviewed these places about having it ha having happy endings. There was one guy for one of the spas, I can't remember if it was for goals or aromatherapy that said, I got more intimate than I thought was legal to do. So that um, there was, there are men that go there specifically because they like to be touched by Asian women. And one guy was actually pissed off because he wound up with a black girl. And he said that he couldn't get hard with her because she was too rough. The, uh, listen, I, I, I'm just- This whole undercurrent is just- There's a bigger under, not bigger, but very important element I want people to understand about this story. The, uh, the women who were working this particular parlor and seemingly here's the other thing I'm going to go with. I don't know um, a lot about these parlors, a, a lot about massage parlors. I do know 
that they tend to be owned or a lot of them are owned by Asian people or, or, worked, or, or the workers tend to be Asian in these places. So there's the, there's the element, like you said, that you have to ask what is going on in these places? Right. And is this a part of a, a bigger issue of sex trafficking? Yeah, and, absolutely. Not, and, 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 you know, it is not disrespectful to the plight right now that's going on with the Asian community to question this because there are some really nuanced and important mm-hmm. elements here that you cannot overlook in this case. Maybe there was a fact, there, there's a quite possibility that the fact that the women were Asian had something to do with it. But here's the case, and I'm going to say it, it may not have. It may have been strictly the issue of the sex addiction. And this is the place where he went to, he could, he, he could play on or act out on the sex addiction. And, and did you ever see that movie? Let me give you that movie with Michael Douglas called Falling Down. Yes, that I, I've called it. Now see, and that, woo, it's funny you said that. When this moron police officer was like, he was just having a bad day. I immediately thought, we used to joke about it. We, we'd call it a falling down day. But the trick of falling down is he literally didn't kill anybody. That's, that's the trick. Michael Douglas never killed anyone. But we call it a falling down day because it was representative of the worst possible. It was Murphy's Law in a day. In a day. Right? And the allowance of that film was whether he killed anybody or not, it was, it's a super violent film. He's super, he's super violent. I, I don't remember that he didn't kill anyone. I, that I, was the trick. Cause he walked into the restaurant okay. and ordered a burger and dude was like slacking off so on and so forth. So then he pulled the Uzi out. It was like, give me my freaking burger. Gave him the burger and he paid for the burger. Well, well what those <laughs> films do is they give allowance to white men to have bad days and to flip out. Mm, and did that way. Good point. Because I mean, he's he's basically, I mean, because there's so much insanity that happens in his day, he's almost framed like a hero for fighting back. I'm fighting back against the man. I'm fighting back against the issues of the world, and I'm I'm taking an observation. Mm-hmm. I've had enough. He's framed like the, the almost like a hero because um, you don't mm-hmm. walk away from falling down hating Michael Douglas. You know, you, you hate, hate that he got killed hate, in the end. You the way the film is framed, you hate the day he had. So this narrative about white men can have bad days and act a fool is part of the problem, that allowance. But here in still, is the question still remains in this particular case, is this about somebody who really, based on what I've read, said that he was trying, in his mind, he was trying to stop um, the temptation. These parlors are temptation for men like him. So he was trying to stop. I, and, and let me just say this, because people are like, he's lying, he's using an excuse. I don't think he was smart enough to change the narrative. I, I don't. By I don't the think way. this guy was smart enough in that short amount of time to change the narrative. I be, And I believe he, be, listen, I, and here's what I'm going to say, and people are going to hate me. I believe this guy believes what he said. I do not think oh. this guy in his in his head went into those places specifically looking for Asian women. I think he went to the places where he acted on his sexual addiction and the result, unfortunately, 
and the timing because of what's going on paints the story that this is specifically an anti-Asian crime. And you could say that based on the numbers of Asian women killed, but the psychology of this guy, I think it's like, it's like when you see a crime, right? When you see a crime, a murder, and the murder victim is stabbed to death. If you know anything about crime, automatically that should, you know, that's personal. That's a crime of passion. That's probably. a crime yeah. of passion. 99% of the times when someone is stabbed to death, they are stabbed to death by somebody that knows them or has an intimate mental relationship with them. That is a crime of passion. So when I heard Parlor and the specific places he went, I those were the first, I told you that too. I was like, this is weird, the location because this is this is probably where he went to get off. I wasn't even thinking about getting off, but there was a specific, it was very specific. So I knew. And here's and here's what I said to you, and I don't mean to be callous in saying this, so please take this with a grain of salt, people listening. If I'm trying to kill a group of Asians because I'm I'm on this anti-Asian uh, thing, if that's my crazy mental state, I'm I'm hating Asians. There are places that are more easily accessible, more readily known, where we we think of Asians collectively being I'm there there those that just was a very specific place and if you're looking for numbers just to knock off a certain collective of people there were places that and I, I sound this sounds callous but if he wanted to get a large number there are certain places, there are restaurants, you, 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 would pre, you would go to an Asian restaurant because mostly when you go to an Asian restaurant, everyone in there working there and you have a large number in a restaurant, even nail salon made more sense than a massage. Massage probably is a very specific kind of thing. Not many people even know where, I don't even know where massage, I'm sure they're here in, in the city I'm in and I'm in, I'm in a city. So I'm sure there, I just don't know where you would go for that. I don't, right. I, but everybody knows where nail salons are. Everybody knows where an Asian restaurant is. And I'm, and again, I'm not pleased, please. I hope there's no nutcase out here listening, getting ideas, because that's not what we're feeding. We're having a real conversation that we need to have about what we're seeing. Okay, so this is what we're doing. Um, and again, just to say, this particular case is bigger than what you what you're hearing on the, the on, in the media. And, and I know that a lot of folks are discounting that sexual sexualized piece and that his sex addiction, but this is, this is, this is, this person legitimately is a sex addict and has been re in rehab and was yes, put out of his house. And let me just say this, it was his own family that called the police. They saw the video clips, his family called the police and said, he got this, he got a problem. So, he got a problem and this looks like our son and he got a problem and his problem is A, B, C, and D. I so what do, it's, it's now, I, cause I'm thinking to myself, if this is not gonna be as nice and neat as the media, and I wanna stress the media, some people in the media, if this is not gonna be as nice and neat as this is an Asian hate crime, what do we do with this? And some of the answers I came up with is we have to broaden the scope. Mm -hmm. We have to, not, we, we, when you, I think to a certain degree and anyone listening, please pay attention to what I'm saying. 
I think to a certain degree, when you just say, this is an Asian hate crime, you limit the scope. No, no, no. There are broader things to discuss here. Because if this wasn't just an Asian hate crime, I hate Asian women. Now we have to ask ourselves, what's really going on in these massage parlors? Now, for the record, I personally, wherever your morality is, that's fine. I personally don't have an issue with sex workers. I don't have an issue with that. But the question is, are they there of their own free will? Let's talk about, is there sex trafficking going on here? Let's talk about why massage parlors open 24 hours a day. On another scope, you've mentioned numerous times, let's not all sit here and pretend tensions have not existed between our Asian and Black communities going back to the 92 LA riots and probably before then. Let's not pretend it didn't happen. Here's an opportunity to our AAPI brothers and sisters to say, okay, sadly, you're on the receiving end of this white supremacist hammer now. We know what that's been like, I don't know, forever. There is a chance for us to sit and say, look across the aisle. Let's not, let's not, let's do what the politicians do, but do it right. Because politicians say, never waste a tragedy. Let's not waste a tragedy. Let's use this opportunity to figure out where we can combine forces. I don't, I think that the problem with that is that I think for some people, they think it weakens the narrative about uh, anti-Asian crime. That anti-Asian crime is, it. I think that for people, because I know that there are people who are going to be listening to this that are going to say that we're victim shaming um, by even having this conversation. And, and you know what, let me do this. I'm going to, I'm going to just for a moment, if I can, this is the first time of me ever doing this. So, you know, audience that's looking, bear with me. I'm going to screen share the website because I want folks to see before it's gone, because it'll be gone. All, some of the reviews of the place are already, have already been scrubbed. So I took screenshots of them. Um, I, I didn't know if I was going to show them because I, but um, this, the one of the sites actually shows the women very sexualized. And when you look at the picture that it shows, and again, these are not sophisticated, it's like a boudoir. So yeah, I think what you're saying is important. One of the things that um, the mayor of Atlanta said, was it Keisha? KLB, Keisha Lance Bottoms. You know, she was saying, well, these places, you know, these are legitimate businesses and, and they've never been cited. Well, we know looking? a lot of, I'm sorry, what'd you say? It's never been cited. Is anyone looking? Just- I was going to say a lot of, we know that places like this, and I, I'm not saying specifically these places, there's payoffs. The, a lot of the people that frequent these places are politicians and people with, a, you know, police officers. I mean, we, we, I mean, I would not be surprised that the reason why it hasn't been cited is that it's the, it's the biggest secret that every, you know, that's not a, what is that? Um, It's It's uh, hiding, it's hiding, it's a big secret, it's not a secret, it's hiding in plain sight. So it's hiding in plain sight and that people have known about what goes on in these places in Atlanta. And I mean, it's different from the strip because strip clubs are, Atlanta has some very famous strip clubs too. So it's the, it's not that, but you got people, a different group of people that go into these places 
that probably are more high in your high pro. I would think, I, I don't know, maybe not. Um, I do have a screenshot of the plate. What are you thinking? Should we share it? No, I, I'm, I mean, it, it, it's either way, you know. Ooh, uh, um, I'm going to share it. I'm just, I, I just want to share this particular one um, just because I, I want you to see what we're talking about. This is my first time doing this on the, so I am not good at any of these kinds of things. Okay, so, okay, so this is one of the spas. This is what it looks like um, at night. It's lit up in a neon. Um, this is at a strip mall. These are the, what, this is how they advertise the workers. The, these don't look like your usual licensed massage therapist. Um, all very sexualized women. I mean, you know, cleavage and boobs. And here's Asian Latin American Massage Spa Center. Um, and I'm not doing the greatest job, but it's a boudoir. It's a- I see if I mean, for context, for context, anyone watching, go and go to Massage Envy's website, go to About Faces website and you'll notice a distinct difference. Right. This is not your, this is not, oh, I need a deep Swedish. Oh, my athletic muscles are, no, this is very specific. And again, with the reviews, um, men talking about happy endings, men talking about they went further than they thought they could legally. Um, it's, it's, it's speaking to a certain client, a certain kind of clientele. It's a certain kind of clientele and there's a certain kind of thing that happens there. So, yeah. and again, um, we're going to wrap this up, but I, we, we're going to wait and see what is uncovered in this particular yeah. story. I, mean, like I, said, I think you just cannot, I'm sorry, people. Um, I, I, the element I'm not disc again, let me just sum this up. We're not discounting. You and I are both agreeing the, Asian fetishization of women, maybe he was fetish, but there also may be an element of hating women. True. Women just misogyny. And, and that's, and that's, that's not out of scope either. Right, because there's a temptation and had this place been, you know, black owned, but here's, the, here's what I was thinking. Had it been black owned and it was, you know, he went there, but here's the thing, even if he was racist, Here's, here's how racism works. It's layered. The guy who went to the spot, and you saw it in the review of the guy who went to the spot. If I can find it, I'll pull it and show up. Who went to the spot, who was expecting the Asian girl and got the black girl and was like, oh, she didn't do it. She was too rough. I couldn't get hard. There are layers to racism. So even the races can, who will sex, who will have sex with, you know, they'll, they'll have sex with, races will have sex with somebody opposite sex. That's not unusual. We know that from slavery, but there's layers to it. So if he had to choose, some of them maybe wouldn't go to a black owned place like this. They would only go if it's Asian or Latin. Cause there are some white men that are claim they're not racist, but won't date black women, but will date Asian or Latin cause they see it different. So there's levels even to racism. So even with this, because I was given maybe if it was black only and went there, we'd be talking about something else. But there's some, there's a, there's levels to racism. So you have folks yeah. that are racist against black, but it won't be racist against Asian, or there's a different level or Latin or something. So racism is so complex too that the, it opens up that can of worms. But I'm not even going to go there. But we got to wait for the story to open up. Um, 
and see more. But while you're listening, um, also the one other element that you did not see in this, bigots brag. I have not seen one case where there was a mass shooting in a place where people were targeting people of a certain race and they denied that they were going after them because of their race. The mind of the bigot, when they make the decision to go after, they, I've not seen the story. I've not seen one. They were like, oh no, I wasn't there because they were black or I wasn't there because they were Muslim. Yeah, they, they, they're very specific. Yep, I went there because I'm taking out um, Negroes and N-words and I'm taking hey, out- Dylan, Dylan Roof didn't walk in that church in South Carolina expecting to be a mixed, a mixed bunch of people. No, no, no. And I'm saying once they get caught, Mm-hmm. There generally mm-hmm. hasn't been a denial of what, who they mm-hmm. were going after. They, they generally have not. And I don't think, again, and I'm going back to this guy for this, I don't think he was smart enough to change the narrative. I nope. don't. I don't. So, um, and before I wrap this up, here's here's what I got to address, because we always got to address stuff. Um, you don't, some folks didn't like me saying what I said about the relationship between Blacks and Asians. It is what it is. And I'm not saying this is every relationship with Blacks and Asians. I'm saying there, there is an undercurrent of tension. Um, one of the documentary films that's nominated for an Oscar is actually a documentary um, about Latasha Harlins, who was killed, was it in the early 90s? I think it was, in, yeah, 91 or 92-ish. 91, 92 um, in New York, that was a powder keg situation because that that divided New York City for a while, that case. Um, 15-year-old Black girl is in a store in her neighborhood. Now, keep in mind, she hadn't ventured into another neighborhood, but a store in her neighborhood, Korean-owned, and the, she was accused of stealing... A juice. Uh, juice. Um, she turns... $2 juice. And the store owner shoots her in the back of the head and kills her and got away with it. So these stories have gone on and that story is from the 90s. There's a documentary now on, is it, it's on Netflix. Um, it is actually an Oscar nominated documentary. So when I talk about these things or when we talk about these things, these are, we, we, we come with receipts. So if you want to go all the way back to the 90s, you can probably find stories before then. Um, that is a documentary that is now available. It's it's for the it's called for the love of Latasha Latasha. I think, I think so. Yeah, it's it's on Netflix. So, um, and the other thing is that on the last episode, I said something about I I found um, the Asian culture something elements of it very beautiful and very interesting. The art, a lot of things, Excellent. and I said I I found Asian. Uh, Korean Asian men attractive, uh, you know, physically attractive. And and someone challenged me on, you know, I thought you were down for your people. I thought you were sister. Whoa. Um, listen, let me let me let me get get anybody listening to this real straight, real quick. Um, I am one of the most pro-black people you're ever going to meet. I love my culture. I love my people. I love myself. I love your shirt, by the way, that oh. says Black women are the purest form of art. I love that shirt. I love the oats that you're wearing today. That doesn't mean I don't find beauty in other people. Doesn't mean I exclusively date one group. I've, I've never dated an Asian man. Not saying that I would not, but that wasn't, the statement wasn't even about that. It was that matter of factly, I do find uh, oftentimes I have found 
men who happen to be Korean, very physically attractive. If you think that that somehow- um, You ain't down with the brothers no more. My, my shine as a black woman or my commitment to my folks, you don't understand me, you don't understand the message and you damn sure have not listened to this show. So I'm gonna ask that you keep those messages to yourself because if you do, I'm gonna start embarrassing folks by name. That's okay. I'll, or you can come on the show and we can bait it. That's the other thing. But I'm just saying, I stand by the statement and I'm still pro-Black and I still can find beauty in other races. And if you can't understand that, then, you know, you, you got some work to do. So moving on, I think, yeah, um, we're going to watch that story. We're going to watch the um, story from Atlanta and see what happens. But Lord have mercy, the news, the news, the news. So, okay. So was it last week, early last week or the week before last, Oprah does an interview with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Let, let me be honest. I, I, I didn't watch. Because let me be honest. I didn't care. I, okay. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't watch. I, I just didn't find... I just am not into that anyway. I'm not into the Royals and what they're doing. And I'm still, you know, Britain is a curious little thing. Before I care about Britain and their Royals, I'm kind of still dealing with the racism of their bastard child, America. So. Well, I wasn't even going that deep. I just didn't think that was an interesting story. But since that story is aired, the aftermath of that story is what's interesting. And, and let me let me just say this because I, I am a panelist on another show and I was asked about it. And one of the reasons, one of the things that I did say, and I'm going to double down on this. I, you know, I heard Meghan Markle, because of course I had to, I saw clips afterwards talking about her experiences as a black woman with the royal family. But if that was even <laughs> prior to being a royal. We didn't even know Meghan Markle was black. Meghan Markle was TV here in America on a show called Suits, which I I not really watched, but I'd seen, you know, bits and pieces of that. Meghan Markle was not on the radar of Black America as a black woman. We only knew she was black because she married into this family, and of course, when you marry into this family, as her wedding was coming closer, it had to be exposed because you know they saw her mama so the conversation i'm a, I'm a dog mama blackity black right you know locks and everything so i mean i think that if megan markle could have continued to be ambiguous and not speak to race she probably would have so it mm. wasn't like this was a woman who was identifying and down with the culture so i i mean this whole thing about her blackness and i i just couldn't i couldn't come to that but because racism is what it is, as white as she is, she got that black mama, so she's black, so it is an issue. So here stems the aftermath. And one of the things, uh, the biggest story is the Sharon Osbourne conversation on a show called The Club. Sharon Osbourne infamously married and manager, married to, wife of and manager of 
uh, demonic Ozzy. rock star Ozzy Osbourne. And I don't think that's an insult to Ozzy to call him demonic. I don't think he's, you know, trying to live that good old Christian existence. I don't think that that's his deal. So, you know, Sharon Osbourne, who's a pan a host on the, the talk, gets into the conversation of defending fellow Brit and journalist Piers Morgan who made some statements about Meghan Markle that were misogynistic and racist. So Karen, Sharon, Karen, Sharon, Karen. Same buzzer, same thing in this case, same Casey thing. Defends Piers Morgan and does it in the most arrogant, white privileged, Karen, uh, insensitive, me first, kind of way she so she's having the conversation everybody knows the story but i'm just refreshing so basically she's talking with one of the black hosts uh what is the girl's woman's name what's the what's the woman's name that she was talking to cheryl underwood cheryl, or holly robinson pete cheryl no well she was talking to cheryl underwood so holly robinson's not on the show anymore we're gonna get to her and basically is defending the racism. I mean, basically, and then asking how could she be possibly be racist? She doesn't have a racist bone in her body, but she's defending the racism. And here was here's the ridiculousness of this because what what's happened again? This is the aftermath of the Meghan Markle interview. is more interesting than interview actually. So here's the deal because white folks, I, I you know, you got to know that the ridiculousness of Sharon Osbourne is that she claims that she didn't know what he said. I didn't hear the statements that that Pierce made, but I can assure you he's not a racist. How the hell? Wow. How, wow. Why are you defending? It's one thing to say, if somebody said to me, you did something crazy, right? Right, like Ross, you know, did such and such. Here's what I can speak to. I've known Ross a very long time. I've never seen that side of him. I can't defend what you're saying he did, but legitimately, I don't know if he did it or not because I didn't hear it or see it. But the Ross I've known for over a decade, I've never seen that side. I've never seen anything but a good person. That's defending my friend without signing off on any of the bullshit you're being accused of. Especially if I didn't see it or hear it. That's all you got. To, that's, that's all you. All that's all had you do. had to do. Yeah, right I've known this a very long time. I've never seen this side of him. I'm not aware of it, but I don't. I'm. I can tell you my experience of him is A B C. But I can't. If that's what happened, that I can't sign off on that. That's all she had to say. And keep it freaking moving. You had but one job. You, you had one job. But that's not what she did. She's going to defend him, defend what he said, declare he's not racist. What he said wasn't racist, all while saying she didn't know, she didn't hear it, but she's determined she's going to defend this man. Defend, And now it's claiming she's a victim. Was, was arrogant enough because the, the conversation got so heated. And let me just say this. I, I actually was watching the talk on this particular day. Cheryl's on the show and there's another girl on the show. Um, I, can't, I always get her name wrong. Um, she's new. She's also a black host on the show. I'll grab her name. 
but they're both on the show. And I, I have to tell you, I tuned out because I was like, this is taking too long, first of all. And they were very much tiptoeing around Sharon's arrogance. And it was annoying to me. It hadn't gotten to the point when I tuned out to the point of Sharon telling Sharon telling Cheryl she better not cry. It hadn't gone there. It hadn't go, it hadn't gotten quite that nasty. But it was like this continuous circle they were going in. And you know, Sharon, we know you as a friend. And you know, we just, you know, I just this is an uncomfortable conversation. When they should have been saying, look. The shit he said was racist. It's some bullshit. If you didn't see it, shut the f up. If you if defend your friend based on what you know, but keep your mouth out of this. If you didn't see it and you didn't hear, because what he said was racist and misogynistic, and we as black women can tell you what's racist and what's not. Shut the f up. Okay, so you had a good relationship with him. Well, we don't. And what he said was racist. So snip it in the bud. But they dancing around this. Oh, Sharon, you know, we know you as a friend and this is uncomfortable and such and such. And and what they, to me, and I, and again, I, folks don't like it when you tell the truth, but to me, they almost, it, it's almost like they asked for that arrogance from her because you, 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 you soft, you tiptoeing around this situation. This woman is clearly being arrogant. She's clearly not backing down. And that's what they should have done. They should have handled that shit early on. By the time I had tuned out to that show, they had gone on. It seemed like forever going back and forth with her, not saying what they should have been saying. And she's getting more and more and more out of pocket. And I'm like, let me tune this out because they come going to commercial and coming back. I ain't watching this craziness. Right. The fact that it got to the point where Sharon had the audacity to tell Cheryl Underwood she bet not cry. Cheryl's all emotional trying to save and trying to bite her tongue. And Sharon is as arrogant as this is because if anyone should be crying, it should be me because I'm feeling like the victim. I mean, that shit was crazy. It was crazy. And now we are uncovering that Sharon has had a history of being out of pocket. But go ahead, because I know you. I'm I'm all I'm all right. Plus, you know, it's, I got, it's, my, it's, got my line that makes me little. I've always said I'm thankful for social media and things like that because I think it does way more good in the grand scheme of things than harm. Okay. You literally all you had to do was shut up. All you had to do if you couldn't shut up was use the statement you just made. Like, hey, Pierce is my man. This is all that's my man's in them. But I, I know him personally, but this thing you saying, I don't know nothing about that. So I'm just saying I, what I know on him, he may or may not have did that. I'm just saying my relationship's not showing that. But nope, you had to go all defense mode. And here we are. And it, it's, 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 I don't know if it's more frustrating or frightening or both that at this point in time, certain white people can't read the room. And in 2021, we are still dealing with outward denial of racism. Just, just, just the obliviousness. I have, I have no idea. What do you mean that's racist? It, How do you not know this now? Is it a, it, it's about the arrogance. And it's also about what we talked about last week. Is that allyship, if Sharon was ever an ally, and based on what we know, she never was. But even those folks who we think are allies, who look like they're in the trenches, who are serious about doing the work, there's some point 
money and in in this particular situation it's about it's about defending another white person it's like there are certain places yeah. they're not the the I don't know what this is I, I mean I know what it is I keep saying I don't I don't want to say I, I don't know but you're seeing that allyship tends to with our our white folks has its limits with um Jane Elliott we talked about last week when it came to black people getting equitable you know equitable deal in terms of money and really leveraging and fixing the issue in this country about the wage gap and making up the the the, the um the 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 level leveling the field she was like for the first time in 87 years like i said stuff on stupid and here um when it comes to whether it's between a black woman and a white man she is on code sharon is like i don't care i i don't even know what he said i don't know if he i just know he didn't say that right well and i'm defending him no matter what that didn't even make any sense it, it does but, but it except doesn't. that it's on code and it's it's just it's it's it is tragic all the way around and it's like now Again, I'm from the aspect of I really didn't care. I hate that she went through that, Meghan Markle. I, I, you know, I know there's been some very, I've got a couple folk I know that I gave a very scathing, like literally don't care because when you, as, as someone I follow put it, what you're mad about is you didn't get the white privilege you expected. Right. I don't know how I feel about that statement. I, I I didn't I didn't examine it that deep because again I'm too busy dealing with Britain's bastard child to worry about what Britain's doing per se. But and it, it does like you say, it shows the nuance and levels and layers to racism. Like let's do some real quick math. Harry is obviously white. Megan is half white. You have a kid that is going to be 75% white and you are still concerned about the baby skin tone. Well, are you that stupid? Well, remember it was the British that came up with that one drop of blood one drop of black blood makes you black so this kid like, has a little too much 25 75% like have you done a Punnett square lately you morons like or is, or is the issue that there's some black blood in Harry's that they were afraid was going to show up is that what we're worried about is black blood there or some I mean maybe I mean you know you can't always go on looks and sometimes it does show up at the, I mean, I because to me, I was with you. I was like, he is white and red as can be. And she's white as can be. What are you worried about? He is going, this baby is going to pass the paperback test no matter what you do. Right. So, but <laughs> that, this is how deep, and, and, and I just got to, I got to say it. Racism. I cannot think of any more stupid thing. Like if you try to explain racism to a five-year-old, they're going to look at you like, what? Like, this is how nuanced and stupid racism is. Someone's going to be 75% white and you're worried about skin tone. Well, to me, again, <laughs> again, that none of that was surprising. The, the, the only part of that interview was surprising was that when she said she needed mental, when she thought she needed some mental health mm -hmm. um, support and she was denied that. That was the only part of that interview of the snippets I've listened to that was surprising. But back to the situation on the talk. Here's the problem that I'm having now with the aftermath is that this is, in, this is continuing. Um, former host Holly Robinson-Pete is now saying that 
the reason why she was let go of the show is that Sharon complained about her saying she was too ghetto. And it's being alleged that Sharon made statements about Julie Chen, who was also part of the, the cast at one point, who's an Asian woman, called her slanty-eyed. Um, Sarah Gilbert, who was a creator, called her a pussy licker. I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'm. This is where reputation sucks, because I got to admit, with the knee-jerk response, knee-jerk, knee-jerk, without me thinking, I'm like, yeah, that sounds about that sound like something we should do. But I'm like, let me, let me, let me roll that back. Try to use some thought. Like, <coughs> I don't know for sure. But I'm like, sadly, given the history of what she's done, let's just say if there was a a, a recording that came out, I'm not gonna be super, super, super shocked. Well, there is a there is she claimed that she never called Holly Robinson Pete ghetto and that she's never even used the term. And now online you can find right from the show uh, at the table, a discussion that she had with Leah Remini. Cause Leah Remini is an, of the actress, the, who is a white actress who um, was also mm-hmm. on the show for a minute, went after Sharon about being proper and prim and basically Sharon called her ghetto or said she was, you know, basically ghetto. She used the word ghetto after right. Sharon said she had never used the word before there are receipts of her using the word ghetto. She forgot, um, it's dementia. Well, you know, I, I, I'm just wondering with all of these other allegations, how she was able to get away with that. Because Julie Chen was, is married to Les Movies, who was the CEO of CBS. Right, the man. He had so. to step down before sexual harassment allegations. And Sarah Gilbert is the creator of that show. So if she was doing that, she was doing that to people who were signing off on it they're telling it now because it's convenient to tell it but if she she wasn't calling sarah gilbert a pussy looker and lesbian all that stuff to her face and i doubt very highly she was calling julie chen whatever wait a minute wait wait a minute for for those keeping score at home wait a minute sharon's gone over two here because you have now offended the lgbt community and you offended asians cancel culture do your job well, they're this doing, is the well, perfect well, opportunity. Do your job. Is CBS has put the show on hiatus and has not fired Sharon. Sharon is claiming, but here, here's 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 what's happening. Sharon's claiming she was set up. How, I see. Here's the problem with this: the the interview she did. She just did a, a, a interview with Kevin Frazier on Entertainment Tonight because I'm summing this shit up, and she's claiming she was set up. And that the producer, before she went at some point during commercial, asked her to speak to the Piers Morgan situation. Sharon, let me just say this, honey. Let me, and I'm going to take a sip of my Merlot while I'm saying this. Can't nobody set up that bullshit. I don't give a shit. And I'm sorry, I'm cursing. I don't give a shit who asked you to speak to the Piers Morgan situation. They didn't tell you how to speak to it. They just asked you to speak to it based on the fact that you're friends with him. You chose to go down that road of supporting and aligning with that racist, misogynist bullshit. That is the road you chose and you would not back down. Nobody set you up. You have been asked to have uncomfortable conversations before and you know how to have an uncomfortable conversation or you know how to back away from things you don't want to talk about. So you chose that road. You were not set up. I mean, you are not a victim. 
you tried to play the victim with Cheryl because she let you get away with that. And then we're going to speak to what Cheryl says um, since that time. And now in this interview with another Black interviewer, and, and I'm going to get on Black folks in a minute, you are trying to play victim again. We, you're not a victim. You're not a victim. Wow. You're not. And I, I think this is one place because cancel culture, you know, we talk about cancel culture doing its thing. And I've been pretty much anti-cancel culture. I don't, I don't, I don't give up. I, I don't do a fell swoop of yes, cancel everybody, cancel everybody, cancel everybody. I am all for canceling Sharon Osbourne for several reasons. You, this woman is continuing this fight by taking the same white arrogant privilege that she took on the show. I'm a victim, I was set up. You weren't set up. Take responsibility for the bullshit that you said. It is what it is, we all saw it. You're 68 years old. You know, you know, you have, you've, you've worked with black folks enough on that show you have been in an industry that has allowed you to be around all cultures. You've traveled the world. You've seen all kinds of things in your 68 years. You are not naive to what is racist. You decided to defend Pierce Morgan because you're on code with racism and you forgot where you were. You got too comfortable. That's what it is. So in this situation, I am all for canceling Sharon Osbourne. I, and again, I, mean, I am not, I, that's not something I do because I think cancel culture is dangerous. I think some of the stuff that we don't have time to get into today, the Pepe Le Pew and the Miss Piggy, all that cancel and all that, that, that bullshit is insane to me. But this particular situation canceled. And here's what I'm going to talk about real quick. Cheryl Underwood was asked since that time what she felt about the situation and I'm really disappointed that Cheryl is on the forgiveness train. And not because I don't think we should forgive, but I think that black folks have this horrible thing of not wanting to hold white people responsible. Her statement was, and this is what I'm quoting, the vibe for me was, you know, this was already forgiven and over as soon as it was said, this is Underwood said when asked about the atmosphere on the show. So she's like, you know, I'm forgiven. I've moved on. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because by you saying that, it gives CVS more leverage to keep Sharon on and not deal with it. And it also, it also says it's acceptable. And I don't care if this was your friend or you thought she was your friend. You can forgive her and still say, add to that, she's got to be held accountable. I just think that we do this thing where we don't know how to balance. And that's why it's harder for us to get justice. It's harder for us to get respect. Even um, uh, Kevin Frazier, who did the interview, black journalist who did the interview with uh, Sharon Osbourne, did this whole thing where he tweets out this message of, you know, we've got to come together, together and have conversations and we need to have a summit. After your son, Kevin, it, it, it brings in Michael Eric Dyson and um, Amanda Seals. And you know, Amanda Seals, I don't Ooh, Amanda roasted his handle that situation. If you get a chance, look at Amanda Seals' IG, her response to Kevin Frazier bringing her into that conversation about having a summit with Sharon's, Sharon's 
Osborne. Sharon Osborne sat in an interview with Kevin Frazier, softball questions that he gave, basically saying she was a victim. You, if you, if 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 Sharon Osborne is still saying she's a victim, she's not ready. She doesn't. She's does not deserving of a summit because she's not trying to. She's trying to save a job. She's trying to save her job and her. I don't know how you save the reputation. That's what she's trying to do. She's not ready. So for to have a summit with someone who's not asking for, who's not in a mindset of healing, is ridiculous. And no black man, woman or person at all should be asking for that for this white person. And I'm, and, I, and, and I'm saying that as a person who understands that I'm gonna say this, I, I don't come from the mindset that the oppressor can teach themselves. I think the oppressed people are the ones that really have to teach the oppressor. Cause I don't, it, it's, it's, it's from Pedagogy of the Oppressed if you've ever read that book. It, the, the oppressor doesn't have the tools. They don't have it to completely do the healing. And why would you trust the oppressor to correct, to self-correct? I don't trust that. So I do think that there, it is incumbent upon us to be a part of changing the narrative, of changing and helping the oppressor to get it, to heal, to get it right, but at the right time. Sharon Osborne is not there. She's not there. She, she's still talking about she was set up. She's still talking about Piers Morgan is her friend. Ma'am, and Kevin Frazier and Cheryl Underwood lead us alone. And Cheryl, if you want to forgive her, I think that that's great. Forgiveness is for self, but you also should have said in the same very definitive way that Sharon, you are in the shadows, man. I'm sorry. I'm looking at you. Trying to get into the shadows. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get distracted. But in the same definitive way that Sharon told you, Cheryl, you bet not cry. You ought to tell her you 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 better get some help. You got to be held accountable. I'm sorry. We 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 just don't know how to balance this thing. I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. You I know you. No, that was it. Um, that, like I said, cancer culture do your, cancer culture do your job. Now, the funny thing about cancer culture, I'm definitely not gonna, you know, for time reasons, not gonna go too deep down that rabbit hole. But it's like, what does that actually mean? We don't just, because ain't nobody gonna stop buying Black Sabbath albums. So if we never heard from Sharon again, while that'd be great, it's not like she gonna be hurting. But at any stretch, yeah, cancel. Like I can, I can go the rest of my life and never hear from Sharon again, and I'm good with that. She's canceled. And, 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 and let's, let's go here. This one last one. Um, Stacey Dash. So Stacey Dash, um, black actress from Clueless. That's what most people know her from. Um, during the Trump years, very arrogant, very pro-Trump, very anti-black and this is a black woman very anti-black very pro-republican very cancel black uh black history month we don't need it all on the ridiculous train ridiculousness train has now apologized for her antics during the trump years um go, um, go sit yourself next to omarosa like i mean you know talking about <laughs> she was she was angry. She was, you know, painted as an angry black woman at the time, and she was angry. Um, no, you weren't 
painted as an angry black woman because you distance yourself from your blackness. She's half Mexican and I think in half black. So she distanced herself from her blackness, participated in the antics, supported um, the most racist, vile commentary. She supported it against George Floyd. I mean, she, so she was horrible. She was Candace Owens before Candace Owens? <laughs> no, she wasn't before because we didn't know about Stacey Dash. Like Candace Owens kind of has been doing this thing a little bit longer than, than Stacey Dash. And we don't have oh. to, unfortunately, go into the Candace Owens and Cardi B. We'll save that to the next show. But um, I, this, is, this is one where when we talk about cancel culture, I don't know what she's apologize for like because what does she want this is one where it's not even canceled it's like what do, we're not this is not I mean it just felt like nothing like it's not even about canceling her because she had already been quote unquote again I hate that I, I really don't like cancel culture but she had we, we had already let her go like she had distanced herself this is not even about canceling she distanced herself she decided I she picked the side she, she was very public and very clear. She picked the side. It's white Republicans. It's white is right. Um, it is, that's, that's, that's where her support went. So this isn't even about canceling her. It's about whether you bring her back. That's uh, what I think I is gotta. like, okay, now I want back in. That's what this is about. And I, I'm, you know what, Stacey? Cause we don't even have a lot of time today. I'm going to bid you adieu. I mean, I will quote. I will quote the great poet O'Shea Jackson, also known as Ice Cube, Ooh. in his song "Be True to the Game." And you might have a heart attack when you find out the black folk don't want you back. Yeah, you about to live that. Yeah, <laughs> you about to live that. Because I, I, I know she was having a hard time finding work. I know she claimed she was broke. Oh, um, go out and Omarosa. We, she kind of walked your path, and see how that worked out for her. Okay. Well, Omar, Omarosa kind of sort of got a yeah, all right. Yeah, but you know, they you know, they yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say because it's not even a matter of canceling her. It's just a matter of like we've been moved on, Stacy. So sad, so sad. I watched more money way more times than I should have just because she was in it, but oh well, that was 92. <laughs> and now it's 2021, it's a whole different beat. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it's it's a nothing. It's just nothing. It was just like you. It's nothing. That's it. It's like nothing. you should have your phone call should have probably started with Tyler Perry. <laughs> like that's probably who you should have called first. Why would he? So Tyler Perry is not. I don't think he's gonna soil his. I mean, we already. Went I'm just saying because if you go, I think he tells like, look, I'm. I didn't. Uh, I'm just saying because if you're trying to find work. You need to call somebody that is, you know, that might rock with you. So call Tyler. See, those, see, check check the temperature there. All those white men that she married on one had one night stands with and married. It was like three of them. That and that's by her own admittance. All that I guess she's. I don't know. She's run through. I don't know. I don't know what we talk. Well, it's nothing. I, I don't. I, there's just nothing to that except. Um, I don't know who's going to take that chance. What I. I you yeah. already gone. So we ain't got, you don't have to be canceled. So that was my, cause I wanted to answer that. Cause someone asked me about what I thought about that. So that's my answer. There's no answer to that. It's just like, oh, okay. Thank you for the apology. Okay. <laughs>
Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, that's it. I, um, do yeah, we have time to hit one last thing? Not really. Okay. Looking at the we're we're yeah. at a, we're at a time crunch because Ross has got a appointment. Well, I'm not gonna say where, but Lord, see now I almost got to because you're making it sound shady. Like I'm no, going to massage no, parlor or something. No, no. no, let's hold it. That's a, why are you in the shadows as we wrap this up? Because the sun didn't move. That was good earlier, but the sun didn't move. Listen, sir, we are, this is a, we, we try to be professional here. You I know, I had natural light to highlight my melanin. I was going to be all melanated, catching the vitamin D. The melanin, we see. Yeah, I know, man, my bad, my oh, bad. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I try, y'all, I try. But you know what? We going to wrap this up because we, we are, um, we're at our, what? We're at our one hour mark. We're trying to keep the shows a little dense. No, nah, we we had a buck twenty right now. We had what? We had an hour twenty. Are we? Yeah, it'd be so funny how time flies when you're having fun. We had an hour twenty. Oh gosh, okay. Yeah. I want to thank the audience for listening. Um, again, um, if you want to comment, I, I, you know, you can comment. I mean, I always like what y'all say, but <laughs> but you can comment. You can reach us um, at the email is everybody loves bliss at gmail subscribe people we're on youtube we're on soundcloud we're on apple pod we're any place you listen to a podcast we're there so anyway um we are wrapping this up and listen if no one told you today we want to tell you we love you and we wish the best for you and we thank you for tuning in to this episode bye say bye to the people ross peace